Welcome to Living For Him podcast, where in every episode, you are invited to experience the joy of a life in Christ. I'm your host, CJ Cousins, and in today's episode, it is my prayer that the primary emphasis and goal of the following message is that you hear and respond to the good news about Jesus Christ and his kingdom. So whoever you are and wherever you are, thank you for joining us. I invite you to listen with an open heart, subscribe for future episodes, and stay tuned for some next steps after this message. Enjoy. As we hear are as a choir singing up to you in your throne, we know, Lord, that the angels are singing much louder than we are. They're gathering in with our worship, the worship that we began this morning, the worship that we began this morning when we spent time in your presence alone with you, the worship that we continue now as we gather together corporately, the worship that will continue as we are with our friends and family, as we're here fellowshipping and eating, the worship that will continue, some of us, when we go out into nature today, or even take a nap today, or maybe go out and do work in the community. The worship doesn't stop, because your love never fails. There's always a response being prompted back to you because of your goodness and your faithfulness and your mercy towards us. And We have every right to worship and to praise you, even in the midst of a time in our world where things just seem like it's getting darker and sometimes it just feels so overwhelming and discouraging. But nevertheless, we constantly have a reason to rejoice, a reason to praise, a reason to adore you and worship you. And so right now, as we now begin to dive into your word, into the preached word, Please, Father, we don't want the worship to stop because your love is flowing our way this morning. Help us to receive who you are clearly as revealed in your son, Jesus. And Holy Spirit, allow that to penetrate deeply into our hearts and have work of transformation in our lives with the people, Lord, that we interact with. May they know and feel and sense Jesus by their interacting with us because you abide within us. Oh, God, we love you. Please, please, please do not allow us, Father, please, to leave here unmoved, unmoved by your grace. We're focusing on prayer. And as we do it right now, Father, help us not to make this just a Sabbath morning experience of communicating with you and communing with you, but help us, Father, to make this just the catalyst into an increased ebb and flow of communication with you. We ask this in the precious and worthy, excellent name of Jesus Christ. Let everyone say, amen. I want to thank Mark. Mark, I want to thank you, Elder Mark Hunter, for launching us into this series. It's time to pray. He talked last week about the miracle of prayer. Miracles happen when you pray. Do you believe that? But today we need to talk about what's going on while we're praying. Let me ask you a real question. We're family here, and if you're, some of us are here for the first time, this is the living room where we engage in conversation with God and each other. What do you do when life gets real? You know what I'm talking about? What's your coping strategy? How do you respond to the difficulty of life? And let me share with you what I'm learning. 
When life is overwhelming and you feel stretched thin beyond your capacity because of all the demands, then I believe it's time to pray. When you've experienced church hurt, wounds because of someone you've interacted with in the body of Christ, I believe it's time to pray. When, 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 when you see God doing something amongst the body and there's momentum and the spirit is moving and people are being mobilized for mission and that's when the enemy decides to throw in an obstacle to stop the movement, to slow it down if he could, then I believe it's time to pray. When we live in a nation where it seems like people are more divided than there are things that they are united about, I believe it's time to pray. I'm hearing the voice of the Lord saying, if my people would humble themselves and what? Pray. Seek my face. Turn from your wicked ways. Then he would hear from heaven. How many of you believe that it's time to pray? How many of you know that there has not been any Christian movement on the face of the planet that was not launched by intentional, persistent prayer? The largest church in the Seventh-day Adventist Church, to my knowledge, is in China. Over 7,000 members, many different sites, planted largely ran, by the way, by anointed women of God. And do you know that when they're asked, how, how did this happen? They said, we simply got up every morning as a body of believers at about four or five o'clock in the morning, and we prayed. What a strategy. No marketing campaign, Chris. They didn't mention handbills. They didn't talk about how powerful the preaching was. They said they got up in the morning, and whatever the need was, they prayed. Were there good times? It was time to pray. Bad times? It was time to pray. But what about when you are in exile and your people have been oppressed and you're clinging with whatever hope you have left to the promise of God that your people would be delivered? Then that is the time to pray. And that's what we find Daniel doing in Daniel chapter 9. I want to invite you... If you got it in print, if you got it uh, electronically, I want to invite you to go to your word, Daniel chapter 9, because Daniel is doing, listen, what he's always been doing. One of the things that you'll notice about Daniel in the scriptures is that he is a man of prayer. If there's anything else that you know, you know when you hear Daniel's name, you think of Bible prophecy, you think of maybe comparing his prophecies with how it's expounded and revealed in the book of Revelation. But let me tell you, if there's one thing we need to know about Daniel, the person that's a great thing for us to replicate is that he was a man that was connected to Yahweh, to God the Father through prayer. That's what we see him doing in Daniel chapter 9. He knows that it's the 70-year prophecy that was given year as opposed to the 70 weeks, which will come later in the chapter. But he is now praying that God would do what he said, that after the prophecy given by Jeremiah, that they would be in exile because they were unfaithful to Yahweh. They would be in exile for 70 years, a timeout, a 70-year timeout. Then at the end of that time, God said that he would deliver his people. And so Daniel, recognizing that that time is now just about up, he's praying, God, do what you said you would do. 
Daniel's just doing what he's been doing. Do you remember when he needed a revelation from God of what, what the dream was from Daniel? Come on, Seventh-day Adventist Christians. Daniel chapter 2, when King Nebuchadnezzar was, was saying, Hey, uh, I want you, the wise men of Babylon, to tell me what I dreamt. And Daniel went, and what did he do? He got his three friends together, and he did what I'm hoping you're going to do after the conclusion of this message. They began to pray. Daniel, when Daniel is, Lord have mercy, when Daniel is, is now under the, the rulership of the Medes and the Persians, and the decree goes out. How many of you guys are listening to what I'm saying? The decree goes out that you cannot worship anyone but the king. Darius being deceived by those that hated on Daniel. The only thing they could accuse him of was that which was connected to him and his God. And Daniel got in trouble for doing the thing that he's always been doing, and that is he, he prayed three times a day. I don't think it was very long, fluffy prayers. Sometimes my prayers are, God, help me. Sometimes my prayer in the morning, when I'm honestly just exhausted, is, God, I'm tired, but I want to focus on you right now. I want to hear from you right now. Doesn't have to be long. Daniel's doing what he's always been doing. He's praying for God to do what he said he would do. He's claiming the promise of God. My wife and I right now have a prayer wall in our, in our closet. I call it the closet office because it's my office slash our closet. And, uh, and right above our, our daily, weekly calendar, right above it is a prayer wall. And it's something I've been wanting to do after we saw the movie War Room. You need to go see that movie, if you haven't already. War Room, it's about prayer. And it has, and this, by the way, many of you may remember Mira. You guys remember Mira? Mira and Gary? Love them, yeah? And Mira inspired me with this. Mira, woman of prayer, she says when she prays and she puts her requests before God, she writes them down. Here's what she does. She says she puts the request and the date and then she puts a promise next to it from Scripture. God, you said, given this situation, you said. And then there's the section, the third column, requests. I mean, excuse me, answers. Answers and the date. What would that do for your faith? If you put request, find the Scripture where God says, I will do this if you come to me. And you believe his word. And then when, the, when God answers, you put the date. So you can always go back and know that the God who did that for me before is going to do it again. Daniel prays. And I believe today somebody here is listening to this and they're seeing me in a suit. They know the preacher's supposed to preach from the word of God. But they're like, come on, real deal, CJ. What about those moments when I'm praying? And I'm pouring my heart out to God, and I've been seeking him earnestly. But my prayers don't seem to be going farther than the ceiling. Have you ever been there? Yes. Can we have real talk today? What about when you've been praying for so long that it almost feels like God really must not really care much about your request? Can anybody take off the mask and be honest with me today? And that could lead you, could tempt you 
to start to ask this question, well, then what, God, are you really doing up there? Anybody today? And I think that's an okay question for us to ask today. What is really happening while you're praying to God? What is God doing? What's going on in heaven? Can you allow your mind to go there with me today? Because I believe if we have our hearts open right now and the Holy Spirit can do work, then if we go to Daniel 9, verse 20, we begin in verse 20. His prayer was from verse 4 to 19. But if you come now to verse 20, I believe what's in, beautifully read today, by the way, I believe what's in Daniel 9, this blew me away. This is, this is, you're going to have to pull me off of here in a second. This blew me away because I was deeply touched by this because what we see in verses 20 to 23, I believe was inspired by the Holy Spirit for us. Don't just think this is just special for Daniel, right? He's got a real good hookup with God. No, this is here for you in our instruction, yes? So I want you to come with me. Let's begin. Yes, Tommy. Amen. Let's go down to verse number 20. Verse number 20. Are you there? If you're there, let me hear you say amen. Amen. I know it's something happens. We want to rush to verse 24. Yes. Oh, but you got to see what comes before it. Please don't miss what comes before it. Look here, beginning in verse number 20. Now, while I was speaking, while he was what? Hallelujah. Translation may say praying. While he was still speaking, praying and confessing, he says, my sin and the sin of my people. Pause. Some people think that because it happened generations ago, I, didn't, I wasn't involved in the slave trade. That has nothing to do with me. What's going on here with Daniel? He says, I'm praying for myself and I'm praying for the sins of my people. Are you hearing that? In the Bible, this is replete throughout scripture. There's a sense of individual responsibility to God and a sense of I'm a part of a community. We need to hear this in the West. Yes. We have sinned against God. Did Daniel do all the horrible abominations and all that kind of stuff that God condemned and they ended up in exile for? Did Daniel do all of that? Well, there's no record of that, but he says, that's my people. I'm a part of that community. Therefore, I repent. I confess for what my people have done as well as what I've done. He continues. My sin and the sin of my people Israel in presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God. He's talking there about Mount Zion where the temple stood and now is in rubble after the Babylonians burned it and destroyed it. Yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning. He's talking about the vision back in Daniel chapter 8, previous chapter. Being, listen, being caused, talking about Gabriel, being caused to fly what? Oh, please hear that. Lord Jesus. Being called, being caused to fly swiftly reached me about the time of the evening offering. And we can read these passages and just whew, let it just go right over our head. Please don't miss what just happened. Two times in what we just read, two verses, but two times he says, while I was speaking, while I was praying. But then if you go real quick, look in verse, I believe it's 22 or 23. He'll then say, at the beginning, of my prayer. 
the command was given. I want you to, when you get a moment, oh, please, please let this, oh, Holy Spirit, let this hit deeply in our hearts. Please, Lord. Go back and look at that prayer. Verse 4 to 19. Look at what he prayed at the beginning of the prayer. He's saying before I even got to what's what the rest of the verses to verse 19, before I got to any of that in my supplication and prayer and con making confession for my people and going on and on about God, uh, you said your promises, but nevertheless, please, I repent. We turn. Please do what you said you would. Before he gets to any of that, Gabriel, I need you to go. Gabriel was caused to fly swiftly, he says. Do you know what God is saying to you? Do you know what he's saying to you, family? He's saying that while you're praying, he's saying that while you're praying, he immediately goes into action. Somebody needs to hear that today. God is saying that while you are praying, he immediately goes into, into action. Heaven gets busy. When you pray, something is happening when we talk to him. Angels are getting commands and orders. Before you even get to, amen. Before you even get to, all right, God, here's my 10 things. Before you even get to, God, help me. God goes, oh, I know exactly what he needs. Jesus will say, as he's instructing his disciples in Matthew chapter 6 on how to pray, he says, look, you don't have to go through the, the vain repetitions of the Gentiles that keep saying, oh, Abba, Father, Father, Father. He says, the Father already knows what you need, Peter. He knows it. And he immediately gets, oh, I, yeah, kind of like the prodigal son father, Right? His repentance prayer, really, Jesus is saying that's what the Father, and he's revealing the Father, that's what we're like. So as you're there even confessing, he's like, oh, this isn't that beautiful? I can't wait till he even gets to the finish of his confession. Send some blessings down that way. Please, go ahead. I need about 50 angels. Go on ahead. That's what's happening while you're praying. While we're praying. It reminds me of my daughter. My daughter, when we're at home, Eden. I'm going to be blushing while I say this here, so please don't mind me. I'm a happy father. My daughter will often, around the evening time, maybe DJ can correct me if I don't get a detail right, but around evening time usually, um, you know, sometimes it's time to do bath time, you know? Uh, my son's come home, she's excited, but also, you know, it's towards the end of the day, or the energy's starting to wane, and, 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 and she's sensing a need. She's sensing a what? A need. A need, see? And, and, and she'll start to say this from the other room, right? Sometimes we'll be out in the living room and she's playing with Tommy maybe inside their room. And she'll shout out to mommy or daddy and she'll say, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Not realizing that in that very moment, what is mommy and daddy doing? We're putting the plan together. We're already talking about, all right, baby, um, you go ahead and get the food here, and, 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 and I'll go ahead and start bathing them. I'll hurry up and bathe them real quick. Or sometimes we switch it up and we go, you know what? We kind of got home a little bit later than we, than we planned. Forget. We'll bathe them after. Let's just go ahead and just start feeding them. We're already working on it. We love our daughter, and we already know what she needs before she asks. We anticipated it, and we already had the resources and the plan in place to address the need. 
before she said, Daddy, Mommy, I'm hungry. Now, do you think that your heavenly Father loves you more or less than your earthly parents? And just a little bit more? How about the blood of his son more? And not just the physical torture of the cross, but all of the corporate sin of the world in a moment. Do you think he cares about you? Do you think he goes into action when you start to say, Father, in the name of Jesus, he's already sending angels. It reminds me, Hagar, you might be familiar with this in Genesis, right? Hagar, the servant, the maidservant, the slave of Abraham's wife, Sarah. And, you know, she gets kicked out. There's drama going on in the house. You know, after she has Ishmael and they eventually get sent away and um, they're out there starving. They didn't have enough food to supply them. And they have an encounter with God where he reveals to Hagar. He says, Hagar, uh, uh, go over here. And, and, and the water comes miraculously and he gives a promise to her and her, and her son. And, and she says, you're the God who what? You're the God who, who sees me. You know what I'm going through. You already anticipated the need. So when I pray, I can trust that you're active. You're already at work. You're moving. Gabriel said the command was given. At the beginning of your prayer, what does that do to your heart? What does that do to my heart to know that when I enter into prayer, I can allow my mind to envision the activity and the busyness and the God leaning over on his throne. Now, I know, I'm, again, I'm, the pastor's up here preaching to you. But I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm on the journey, too. And what about when it feels like there's a delay? You ever feel that? That feels uncomfortable, doesn't it? It tests whether, all that stuff that Pastor CJ said, it tests that, doesn't it? That picture of God being busy and active on your behalf. When you flip the chapter over to chapter 10, Daniel has a period of time, and then he prays again. He's wrestling with the vision, and he's disturbed, and he's spending a, a season of fasting and praying, and it's about 21 days before the angel Gabriel shows up again. He'd been praying for over three weeks. There was a period of time. He's asking God for clarity and understanding. And listen to what happens here. Look at chapter 10 and go with me to verse number 12. Verse number 12. Then he said to me, Daniel speaking of Gabriel, do not what? Fear. That phrase, by the way, is in the Bible over 365 times, one for each day of the year. It sounds like God has something to say to us, does he not? Do not fear, Daniel. Listen, that's personal, isn't it? Do not fear, Daniel. We're going to come back to that. For from the first, listen, please hear this. From the first day, how many days has he been, how long has it been since he's been praying now? It's been over three weeks. But listen to what he's saying. Listen, this is, one, this is one of the covering cherubs. He's in the immediate presence of God. If there's anybody that can report to you, Daniel, what God is doing when you pray, Vienna, when God hears you pray, if there's anybody that can talk about it, it's Gabriel, isn't it? 
He says, from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble, listen, to humble yourself before, out, before your God, your words, listen, were what? Oh, hear that, somebody? Oh, Gabriel's saying that. He's not saying what God told him to say. He's saying, look, I'm, I was there when it came up. And I saw it, it, it was heard. He heard your prayer. And I have come because of your words. But keep on going. Listen, watch this. But the prince, listen, but the prince, which is synonymous for king in the Old Testament. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia, remember he's under the now media Persian empire after the fall of Babylon. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me. How many days? 21, 21 days, the exact period of time that Daniel was praying. And behold, Michael, that word in Hebrew means one who is like God. Michael, one of the chief princes, you keep studying Michael out in the, he's not merely an angel. You'll discover that, especially when you get to Revelation chapter 12. I believe there's sufficient Bible evidence to show that that is the pre-incarnate, before he put on human flesh, Christ, the Son of God. Okay? If you have any questions about that, feel free to send me any communication you'd like. Michael came to my aid, he's basically saying, one of the chief, priests, uh, chief princes came to help me. Gabriel needed help. For I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Did you hear that? If we had more time and even an afternoon seminar to explain how the principality there's angelic hosts, there's orders, there's good angels and bad angels. And we're getting a little hint here that there's actually territory by which these angels are stationed, and, and particular leaders often that they are trying to influence. Are you hearing this? And this angel that's over the area of Persia has an assignment on the king or prince of Persia. And listen, Gabriel, I would think, is one of the serious big mamma angels up in heaven, yes? Would you not agree that he's an angel that excels in strength? The Bible says one angel came and 185, I believe, thousand enemy soldiers of the people of God were wiped out. The Bible says that when he comes, he will come with all the host of angels. So if one took out 185,000, what happens when they all show up in a moment? The Bible says that the wicked will be consumed by the brightness of his coming. I believe that involves the glory that comes with the accompanying angels. Could it be that it's just not arbitrary of God? I'm just going to come there and just kick some bad human butt. Is that what he's saying? Or is it like the sun that if you look at it too long and if you get too close to it, what happens to you? Yeah? Could it just be the glory There is, what's happening here is that when you pray, it's heard, but what we're also getting here is that your prayers and the answer to that prayer, the, the angel activity, that the, 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 the activity that's going on in heaven can be withstood. And somebody here is going, wait a minute, withstood? He's God. Ah, oh, if you're, if you're asking that question, you say, he's God, he could just, what, right? But you've got to understand something about your God. God is love. And because God is love, because that is the summation, the essence of who he is, is the embodiment of love, he respects choice. 
And he also respects, listen, at some level, although the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, because of sin, especially before the cross, the devil had jurisdiction. He holds everything in check. He doesn't let the devil get full sway, but he, for the sake of this, we understand this in our community of faith, great controversy over his character and reign of love, and because he, he wants the truth of who he is to be revealed ultimately in Jesus and him crucified, he respects for a time and season and place and given a situation, territory. Though he's holding it in check. Are you hearing this? He's addressing the issue, but it's, there's cosmic implications at work here. You see this in the story there in the first two chapters of Job and then at the end of the book. There, there, there is some rules of engagement going on. There's, listen, there's warfare going on. Are you hearing this? Let's not walk around and get up in the morning as followers of Christ and not understand there's a target on you when you get up. When you take the name of Jesus, there's forces at work that don't like that. But please, greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. What did he say to Daniel? Do not fear. You have the majority on your side when you've got God on your side. I love what Ty Gibson, my colleague, one of my favorite authors and pastors says. He says, he says this. Where, where, where am I? <laughs> he says this. Listen, prayer is an act of war. Let that, I'm just going to let that sink in just for a second. How many of you are trying to fight? with that person, but you're not engaging in the real war that's going on. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. There's more to that disagreement and conflict than that person you're engaged with. Do you understand? There's far more going on. And, and what God is trying to, by his grace and love, where he's trying to move us, where he's trying to move me more consistently, is let the first, please, oh, somebody hear this? Let the first reaction, when you're triggered, let the first reaction be prayer. Please, let the first response be, I just need a moment, please, give me one moment. Let me call you right back before you go off on that person. Huh? You put the Christian hat over here. Prayer is an act of war. When you pray, remember, at the beginning of the prayer, a command was sent to the highest ranking angel in heaven. You guys know that the war between the devil and, 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 and Christ, good and evil, you guys understand, it's not a battle of sheer physical might. You know, do you know that? That actually the word that, particularly in Revelation, when it describes the war in heaven, Revelation chapter 12, you guys understand that the word there is mainly polemos. It's talking about a political war, a war of words over the character of God, a, word, a, a war of persuasion. Now, is there a physical dimension? Well, yes, there was something that happened that took 21 days. But please understand that it literally, if it was just Jesus and Satan in the ring, listen, please hear this. The devil knows he would be, the, the fight would be over in an instant quicker than an old Mike Tyson fight. He knows that. Do you guys know that? Do you guys know? The Bible says that he, 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 he knows he has a what? A short time. He knows he's doomed, especially after. Hallelujah. He's doomed after the cross, Revelation 12 says. Yes. But do you know that he has, do you know who he's hoping is not yet convinced of that? If you've been hearing me preach, 
You know what I'm going to say now. He's convinced. He's hoping that you're not convinced that he's lost. He's hoping that you're not convinced that when you go and pray, you have just dispatched warfare on the devil. And he knows he's toast. I don't care if you messed up last night. The moment you plead the blood, the moment you ask for the presence of the Holy Spirit, angels are dispatched immediately. Hallelujah. The devil ain't scared of you. Oh, but he's scared of Christ in you. Yes, he is. Oh, somebody hear me. It's not about pressuring you to have a devotional in the morning because maybe you're not as alert or whatever. Do you know what it is? You know why Jesus got up first thing in the morning to be, spend time with his father? Because he needed it, because there was a war. Do you guys know that? He needed angels to be dispatched. <laughs> he needed the right spirit to deal with the knuckleheads of 12 in his, in his group of disciples. Prayer is an act of war. Do you know you're in a battle? Listen, that is already won. Receive that. Thank you, baby. See, this, this is what, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Hallelujah. And she did it with such grace. Thank you, baby. Oh, you get, hold on, wait, wait, what's the fist bump? You can't just, you can't just walk up. Oh, hallelujah. Family, I hope you're hearing what I'm saying. I hope you're hearing what the Bible is saying. When you're praying and it takes a while, there's battle going on. Do you understand? Oh, but the answer came, did it? Did it not? Gabriel came with a message. Your prayer was heard. The devil lost. And by the way, all throughout the Bible, he just keeps losing. He just doesn't want you to know that he's losing. That's one of the greatest deceptions of the devil, by the way, to make you think that he's winning when he's actually already lost. It's just little battles right now. Do you guys understand? Even up to the battle of Armageddon, if it's just physical might, the devil knows he, it's over for him. He knows it's toast. His whole insane MO is to deceive all of us so he can take out as many of us as possible to think that he's winning when he's actually lost. That's the deception, family. Don't trust God. Don't pray. Don't engage in warfare that puts him in check. Amen. We're in the living room. Hallelujah. Yes. One day he'll be, he'll be playing it. Hallelujah. But I want you to come real quick as we close. I want you to come with me now to verse number 21. Verse number, you need some help. There you go. There you go. All right. Verse number 21. Verse number 21. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says verse number 21. One back in Daniel, I'm in 10, back in Daniel chapter 9. Here's what the Bible says. Oh, please do not miss this. Somebody needs to hear this. Oh, my. Actually, verse 22. And he informed me and talked with me. Daniel's talking about Gabriel. And said, now please listen, he said this a moment ago in 10. Listen, he's saying it here in 9 before he said it in 10. Oh, what? Is that not personal? Oh, Daniel. O-C-J. Whatever your name is, put your name there. O Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill to understand. And at the beginning of your supplication or prayer, the command went out. And I have come to tell you, please, hear these words. Here's these next words. For you are what? Say that louder. For you are what? 
greatly. He could have just said, oh, you're, you're really appreciated, your service, prophet, you know, you're doing a great, great job in Babylon, now Media Persia. Good to you. Good job, well, job well done. You're, he could have just said, you're loved. Are you, I, want you, I want you soul to hear this. You are greatly loved. But I just messed up last night. You're greatly loved. But I just said something wrong to my wife and I just came out the wrong way and she was triggered. You're both actually greatly loved. My kids aren't talking to me right now or they don't even want to come to church. But I, I see it. You're greatly loved. Why? See, as Adventists, we want to rush to verse 24. I know that prophecy is powerful and significant. It authenticates scripture and Jesus and his claims is death, burial, and resurrection. I can't wait even to get there. But I, but I want to tell you that that this is in scripture for a reason. Before you even get to the prophecy, before you even get to the prophecy, uh, what God is trying to say, what he wants you to know while you're praying is that he sees, hears, knows, and loves you greatly. He sees you every day. Every, there's not a moment, no, there's not a breath you take. He sees you. I know there are a lot of people in the world, but he's got his eye on you. He hears you. He knows you personally. He said, Daniel, and he loves you greatly. No, 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 it's okay. It's okay. He loves you greatly. You know, it reminds me again, we're interacting with my daughter and my son. They're in their room. We have cameras set up so that we can actually see them, parents maybe with our modern day technology, you know what I'm talking about, right? And so if you're in the other room or if, or if it's nighttime, you smile, you know what I'm talking about? And it's nighttime and, and you're tired, right? They could just shuffle, especially if you are sleeping like my wife, God bless her. She, she, she wakes up immediately. Me, I'm, I'm out. There could be a, a volcano erupting and I'm still gonna sleep, but you know, I have narcolepsy, so remember that. But, but she immediately gets up. My daughter could shuffle in the bed. She's up, she went to the room, you know? How much does a parent love their child? We see that child. Our, our, we have a little the app that connects with the whole security system. We can see them on our phone, and we keep our phone next to, next to the bed, next to the pillow. The moment they do anything in there, the, she cries. She wants to wake up. She calls for mommy or daddy. We see her, and we immediately move. Before he gives the, the, the come on, Bible students, Seventh-day Adventists, before he gives you the prophetic Bible study of last day events, you first have to have firmly established in your mind, your frontal lobe. He sees you. You know, Gabriel could have just said, hey, uh, yeah, prophet God. No, he said, Daniel. It makes me wonder if they're up there rooting for Daniel. It makes me wonder if it's not just God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit on the throne, greatly loving, but all of heaven loves you, Daniel. You're sitting here today, all of heaven sees you and is rejoicing and is rooting for you and is like, oh, come on, don't give up. Keep holding on to Jesus. He sees you. He knows you. He loves you greatly. In the book of Heze in the, in the, uh, in the Old Testament, Hezekiah, King Hezekiah, when they had an, an enemy attack, was coming. His first thing, I love that story. Go back and look at it there in the, in the scriptures. He, he immediately goes and he prays to the Father. It's, it's in Kings, it's in Chronicles, and it's in the book of Isaiah. The Assyrian army is gathering 
and they're completely outnumbered, even though they have a pretty well-trained army. And the first thing he does is he goes to pray, and then he waits to hear the prophetic word of the Lord. But I love what the prophet says to him. The message comes back to Hezekiah, I see you, I've heard, and I'm going to defend this city. When he got sick and he began to pray to God with tears, weeping, a similar message came. I see you. I know what's going on. I'm going to extend. He does the miracle, right? To extend his life 15 years. But he lets him know, I see you. I heard your cry. He loves you greatly. What I want to get across to you today is that these are the things that need to be at the front of your mind when you enter into prayer. Why do you pray with confidence and hope? Why do you feel like you can come to God for forgiveness? Why do you feel like you can come to God for whatever you're dealing with? It's because you know that he goes immediately into action. It's not just hitting the roof. It's going straight to the throne of heaven. And he sees you, knows you, and he loves you greatly. Greatly. But how does God demonstrate his love? My Bible tells me in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. That God demonstrated his love that while you were still sinners, Christ died for you. He didn't wait for you to get it right. He didn't wait for you to figure out how to parent well. He didn't wait for you to get the right job and the right prestige. He didn't wait for you to kick the habit. Christ, while you are nailing him to the cross, Christ said, I'm going to come in human flesh and I'm going to take collectively all of the wrong you've done and allow it to crush out my life, hopefully to convince you that I see you, that I know you, I hear you. I know the pain you're experiencing. I know it's on your heart. I know your heart is broken. I know they can't see you weeping. I know you have to say happy Sabbath with a nice face on because you think that's what you got to do. I'm so over pretense. I'm over it. I took my tie before I got up here. I'm over it. Not when people are hurting in the body. No. We've got to minister to one another. We've got to be the body. We've got to be a healing influence. It doesn't matter how good we look on the outside. When you're hurting and we need people to pray. You want to know why we want you in grow groups? Small groups in person or online? So you can have people that will pray with you. In a safe space and love you in your living room. You're not dressed up. You're just being who you are. In your space where you do life. Because talk to me family. You're going through it aren't you? It's time to pray. It's time to pray. Hear the voice, not of CJ, of the Lord. It's time to pray. New pastor coming, it's time to pray. New school year has begun. The devil's already busy, but God is even more busier. He's already promised us the victory. It's time to pray. Come on, family. Wednesday, I'm going to be starting back prayer meeting. We don't just want that to be a grow group. The whole church is invited to come. I'm even talking about us maybe on Thursday since we have to have the church renting. On Thursday, let's get together. Those that can be here in person, the rest stream in. Let's pray. Does this city not need the gospel in the context of these last days? And God's looking at us. He says, I need you to pray. I'm ready to dispatch angels. The pastor cannot do it. The pastor is not called 
to do it. We are called to do it. We're here to equip you and release you to do the work of God in these last days. Father, here we are. Thank you for reminding us today that we can come to you boldly, you say, in Hebrews, to your throne of grace. What an image to leave with us when we pray. Grace. Abundant grace. You didn't wait for us to even, listen, repent before Christ went to the, before we were born. You already took our punishment for what we would do when we were born and living. God, help us to keep central before us your love revealed in Christ so that we can know that you immediately go into action, so we can know that you see, you hear, you know, and you love us, not some greatly, greatly. Help us whenever the lie comes to us that God is too mad at us. We've done it too many times. This problem is too big. Help us to rebuke the lie and the person from whom it came. It comes from the enemy. You have already given us victory, no matter what we face. When we're with you, we have the majority. We can have peace beyond understanding, joy and love to get us through whatever difficulty we face. Help us to remember what you are doing while we pray. Thank you for listening to Living For Him podcast. I pray that you were blessed by this message and that you experienced the good news of the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. I'd like to personally invite you to respond to this good news and take the next steps in following Jesus by clicking the prompt in the description. I've also created a resource to help you experience the joy of a close relationship with Jesus called the Life in Christ Daily Devotional Journal. If you'd like to experience Jesus daily, watch the good news of his story unfold throughout scripture, and do this as a weekly small group gathering, then get your copy today in print or ebook by clicking the link in the description. Living for Him exists to tell the story of Jesus for the equipping of healthy disciple makers who extend his reign of love. If you'd like to support the further development of this exciting ministry, then I encourage you to become a monthly supporter by also clicking the link in the description. Your support is greatly appreciated. You're also invited to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to our e-newsletter by visiting our website at livingforhim.tv. Lastly, we kindly ask that you write us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast platform you're listening to us on, and share this podcast with your friends. I look forward to meeting you here again in our next episode, where our desire is that you experience the joy of life in Christ. Once again, I'm CJ Cousins, and I'm living for him.